Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. So with that being said, that leads to this point. That's where we are. That leaves us for the question of the day. Where do we go from here? You've heard us talking about the parking lot as being expanded. Uh, We hope that you're going to see bulldozers by Easter and you'll actually be putting your cars on all those trees over there. It'll be a nice, pretty new parking lot by the summer. It's a little crowded until then. Bear with us and be patient. We're doing the best we can. Uh, We also are running out of room, as you can tell. So we are going to three services starting the first Sunday in April. You'll be hearing more about that and you'll be hearing more about the time. So feel free to come to the first or the third because the second one is always crowded. It'll look just like this. So there you go. And uh, so here's what, what after that. So we can, we can make the parking lot bigger and we can, we can add more services. And then we've already started talking about when we would add a fourth service. <sighs> but hey, God's using us. Let's be happy about it. And then we built this room. We built this room for it to expand. These two walls come down and this goes to about 800 seats. The back wall comes down and risers go up. For those of you that like to sit above everybody else, you'll be able to sit back there. And then this room is going to seat about 1,200 people, which is about two and a half times what it seats right now. So here's the thing, the question. We're we're going to have more parking and we're going to have more seats and we're going to have more services. What does that equal? More people. Somebody said more money. Praise God. <laughs> we got a business person over here. They're like, yep, there we go. More cups of coffee sold, Starbucks. All right, anyway. No, it does equal more people. And that's really good. If the point is seeing how many we can fit in this room on a Sunday morning, is that the point? No. That's a good thing to do. Because we come into this room to be trained for what God's called us to do and to make much of him as we worship. And that'll, that's always important. But that's not the point. The point is to see the lives changed as people come into this room. You see, let me explain it this way. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church. Now think about this, because Jesus is the head, right? The Bible says Jesus is the head and we are the And so when Jesus says, I will build my church, how did he mean he was going to do it? Through us. Matter of fact, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but it's not angels. Angels are not building the church. And I don't mean to offend them. I know some of them are in the room somewhere. We love you guys. Y'all just keep doing your angel thing. I can't see you myself. Some of you might be able to see angels and you're like, oh, he made that one mad. Look at it. That scowl on his face over there. No, if it's got a scowl on his face, it's a demon. That's not an angel you see. So here's the thing. Angels don't do the parking. Angels don't shake your hand at the front door. Angels don't explain to you how to read this Bible that we hand to you when you say you want to follow Jesus. People are building each other. And I left out a very important detail. If you go back in the Bible and Jesus says, I will build my church. Matter of fact, everywhere in the Bible that the word church shows up, we see the word church and we think walls and a steeple and chairs and this kind of thing. We think church service, we think worship songs. But the word church in the original language, if you go back to the Greek or the Hebrew, either one, the actual meaning is the gathering of God's people. 
It means God's people. When Jesus said, I will build my church, he wasn't talking about a building. He was saying, I will build the people of God. So when we talk about building the church, which is what we're talking about today, what we are really talking about is building people. We're talking about building people. Look with me. Our main passage today is 1 Peter 2, because this is what we're here to do, to talk about ourselves. First of all, if he's building people, he's building you, he's building me. Look at this. It says, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's, let's learn what this passage means by going backwards. Let's start at the very end. Peter is preaching to the followers of Jesus. He's saying, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good, if you know what the goodness of the Lord is, if you know that Jesus has died for you, if, so he's saying this, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you are one of God's people, okay? So let's go ahead and answer the question. Are we a follower of Jesus? Are we one of God's people? Answer that to yourself, okay? And if you are, then back up. What did he just say? Grow up into salvation, not just have salvation, not just, hey, I'm going to heaven, see you all when we get there. That's not the point. But that as we are one of God's people, as we have salvation, that we would grow up, we would change, we would not be the same tomorrow as we are today, that we will find greater victory and greater freedom in whatever it is we're struggling with. And how are we going to do that? Back up one more thing. He says, like infants, welcome to the kingdom. Glad you're following Jesus. Welcome to being an infant baby child of God. Let's learn how to grow up into a mature adult version of a child of God. How do we do it? long for the pure spiritual milk. And and what he was saying when he said that every commentator and scholar on the Bible agrees that the pure spiritual milk is God's word. It's the word of God. So now that you are a follower of Jesus, now that you know how good God is, long for his word. But listen, he didn't mean just long to hear it. He didn't say just long to go into a big room, listen to somebody and walk out the room and forget what was said. That's not what it's about, but actually do what it says to be changed by it, to apply it. I think I'm going to start doing what Jesus did because he got away with it and people didn't, well, actually, I guess they did kind of, didn't, and never mind. I shouldn't even be making that funny. I didn't mean to. That's not in my notes. But anyway, here's the point. So Jesus' most famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount, he ended by saying, do what I said. Why did you sit here and listen all this time if you're not going to do it? Let me tell you, the person who does what I say, they're going to be like the person who builds their house on a rock. And when the storms come, or then the people who just listen to me this whole time, most famous sermon I'm ever going to give, they're going to preach about it until I come back. And you don't do it. Well, you're like the person who builds their house in the sand. And he says, why would you not do what I say? And yet you're going to call me Lord. So listen, when it says crave for the the word of God, it's not just to hear it, but it is to apply it to our lives, to let it change us. Why? Let's keep going in the passage. Because as you come to him, him who? Him, Jesus. And he describes Jesus. Jesus is a living stone who was rejected by men, but in the sight of God, he's chosen and precious. And then we get compared to Jesus. That's a great privilege, don't you think? He says, you too, yourselves, like living stones, are also being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We could do a whole series on that one verse. There is so much to say in there. And so today, we're just going to focus on what you see underlined. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up. We're living 
stones. We're constantly growing and and being changed. Jesus says, I will build my church. He said, I will build God's people. It's not a one-time thing. Uh, I think a lot of us, we have an image of Legos. I've got a son, one son who loves Legos. He builds with Legos and everything, and and, and he'll build something and show it to me. And I think a lot of us kind of have this image of like, if he built a little Lego house and he came to you and said, look at my little Lego house. And he he said, this is, this is like the church that, that God is building here. You'd look and go, oh, look at the little blue brick right there. That one's me. I'm the corner. I'm so cute. Look at me. I'm right there. And you think it's just this static house, bricks, stuck, nothing changes, nothing happens. But he says a living stone. The truth is we don't need to think of ourselves as a piece of a Lego thing that got built, plugged in, nothing ever moves. We need to think of ourselves as like one of those little toys you go and buy and it's like a little styrofoam dot, but then you drop it in water and it turns into a dinosaur. And it grows, you know, that kind of thing. Or you need to think of, of, of us as like a chia pet, you know, it just kind of keeps on coming out. We're living stones, we're, we're changing. And so if you could imagine, I don't know how we'd imagine this because we've never seen anything like it, but you know, maybe in, in some like 3D weird movie, they can build a house and the stones keep growing. So the house keeps growing and it just keeps stretching and everything keeps changes because the, the, the stones are living stones, right? And so I want you to think about this. How many of you have ever seen some old historic stone something? Like yeah, I went to Gettysburg and they had you know these stone walls or something or somewhere else you've been down an old path and somebody stacked up stones or they built a little stone wall or whatever whatever it was. And have you noticed that over time, some of those things moved and some of the stones fell out, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? And so I want you to just imagine this because sadly, this is what I see happen in the church as a pastor. As I see that some of the stones that Jesus builds with, they're living stones and they, they keep growing and, and another one will grow and another one will grow. And it's like this, they get together when I'm says, man, I was reading in God's word today and I read this verse and I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to change something about my life there. And they just grew. And somebody else gets together and says, you know, I was praying with somebody the other day about my marriage and then God touched me and my, my spouse and we changed and you just see it growing. And then there's that other little stone and it's kind of trapped in the middle and they just go to church sometimes, maybe a lot of times, maybe all the time, and they just kind of listen, and then they say, honey, where are we going for lunch? And they never think about what was preached. They, they really don't ever read the Bible. They don't really talk to God. They're just, they're, they're, they, they're like a stagnant stuff. It's not living. It's not growing. And so as everything grows around them and shifts, they find that they just fall off the wall and they're laying on the ground. And, and every time that I've watched somebody say, you know what, I just don't feel like I fit in. I just don't understand, Pastor. I don't, I just, it doesn't work for me. It's because everyone else is living and they're changing and the stones are being shaped and the house that Jesus is building is being shaped and it's constantly growing. And you and I are supposed to be growing along with it. We're a part of that. We're not supposed to be the same tomorrow as we are today. Something is supposed to happen. So how do we build people? challenge came for me many years ago. Some of you have heard me already tell you this because I can never forget it. It was one of the more embarrassing moments of my life. It was a private moment with God, but the most embarrassing moment before God. Can you have such a thing? I mean, he actually already knows us, but anyway, this, check this out out of Acts where he's talking to leaders of the church. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock to which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to take care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. Appreciate you sneaking that one in there. It's a reminder of how much the church cost and that I have one of the just greatest privileges of life to get to do what I do. 
not just me, but anybody else who's a leader and, and anybody else who considers himself a part of helping build God's church on the earth. And so I, I, here's the reality. I have to answer every day, and I'll have to answer one time very, very strongly when I meet him face to face. Am I caring for his people of God? Am I paying attention to the people that he's entrusted me to help grow? Am I challenging them to grow? Am I building ways for them to grow? Am I making it possible? Am I encouraging people to grow? I'm going to have to answer for that. And when I took over as the pastor here many, many years ago, 2010, I started with a sermon because we were just kicking off our life groups. We did life groups and I did what every pastor did is tell people to go do what we do. That was funny. Y'all could laugh at that. And I've learned since that's not the way to do it. But, but here's what I did. This is so embarrassing. I'm just going to admit it's like, well, we do life groups. I need to convince people to be in life groups. So I'm going to find a Bible verse. I'm going to use it to my advantage. I'm going to tweak it. And I'm going to make all you feel guilty if you don't go to a life group. And I stood up and I preached that sermon. I'm glad some of you are smiling at me right now. That was my public confession. And so here's what happened. I felt all good about myself. I thought, boy, we're going to have a lot of people in life groups. And that's just great. And then I walked off that stage. And later that day, God said to me, if people do what you say, how can you be sure they'll grow? And so uh, the answer didn't come immediately. I began doing a lot of prayer walking and talking to God, did some prayer retreats. And, and what we came up with, the answer to that was something that we've actually had ever since. And it's called our grow path. And so we've got this little thing, it's, it's kind of over there and some people do it. And it's a series of life groups that will help you grow in the most important areas of your life. The areas where we all struggle the most. Things like our marriage, and understanding if God lives in us, what does that mean for freedom and, and uh, our finances and how to follow Jesus and how to uh, be a good steward of the lives around us. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. And so we began to talk about, hey, if you really wanna grow, there's something for you over here. You're a living stone, come over here and there's, there's something for you. But the reason that we've taken time today to stop and talk about this is because this little thing that used to be over here, we're moving front and center and saying this has got to be more important to us. So they're, they're going to put a little image. We just created an image to kind of help you think through this because it's kind of like a trail. I like to go backpacking and hiking. And so this is kind of just kind of how my brain works. If you've ever been hiking or something before, how many of you like to go hiking? Man, some of you need to put your iPads down. Get off a of Candy Crush and get outside. There's a world out there. There's trees. The leaves change colors. It's nice. There's butterflies. All right, anyway, here you go. So here, here's the thing. Uh, the most important reason for this, the whole reason we do these life groups in this series, these are not all the life groups we do, but I want you to look at that sentence up top because that's why it's here. It's not here for us. We don't need you to go to life groups so that our numbers look good. That's not what it's about. It is about helping you become the whole and healed person God created you to be. When God envisioned you and God fashioned you to put you here on the earth, it is so that you would walk in a whole, full, healthy person that he designed for you. Not to live in the brokenness that this world does to us. Not to be trapped by sin habits and, and things inherited from our family. And all. No, 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 he wants us to be free from that and to walk in the fullness of what he created us for. And so these groups are designed to help us find that freedom and do that. What we've noticed over the time that we've been doing it, though, 
is that three of them uh, have, have kind of become the core. And so the way we're going to, to present this now is we move it front and center and say, let's go be living stones. Let's grow. Let's get built. Is there's, there's this main trail. You see there the dark line, the main trail starts with grow believer. And so Grow Believer is something that is kind of brand new, actually. Uh, we redid everything. We did a practice run of it last fall. And so we're going to start doing it now tonight, right here. We realize it's Super Bowl Sunday, so that'll tell us the true spiritual people in the room. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so anyway, uh, it, we're going to start here tonight. The way Grow Believer is going to work is it's going to be here every Sunday. First four Sundays of every month, it's eight weeks long, so it's going to restart every other month. You don't always have to do them in order, but just come out right here any Sunday night. This is for those 118 people last year or the 21 last month who say, I'm following Jesus. What does that mean? How do I follow Jesus? You know, one of the things we do in the Bible Belt is we say, I'm following Jesus, and we don't ever talk about it again. And what we need to talk about is how do we read our Bible? How do we pray? How do we get to know other people? What does God expect from us? What does that look like? This is not just for people who are brand new to following Jesus, because the truth is many of us, we've been to so many different churches, well, we don't know. You, you went to this church and the pastor said that, and you went to this church and the pastor said that, and then you read your Bible and it didn't line up with the third church and what that pastor said there, and that's why you went and found church number four and whatever, you know? I mean, after all, we've moved and we've changed cities and we've been around a while, and so most people have not been in the same church for 52 years. And, and so you've heard a lot of different stuff, and you may say, well, well what does the Bible actually say? What is the true basic of following Jesus? So for anybody who, who wants that or just wants a refresher, come, come to Grow Believer. It's going to be here every Sunday. And then the third one in that main trail, the end of the main trail, Grow Influence, is also going to be here every Sunday. But we're going to give everybody who wants to time to go to Grow Believer first. And we're going to start Grow Influence on April. And then it also will be right here every Sunday night, anytime you want to come. It's also eight weeks. And so Grow Influence is understanding that every single one of you has influence in somebody's life. Did you know that? I don't care who you are. You might be a high school student, somebody follows you. You know the person that's always in the principal's office right beside you with that dumb idea you came up with? Somebody always follows you. Or when you're doing something really good, the person who helped you do it, yeah, somebody's always following you. If you're a mom with kids, you are the most influential person in their lives. If you are a little league coach, if you are a CEO, it doesn't matter, every single one of us, there is somebody looking at you. And the question is, are we helping them figure out God's purpose for their life? And we want to help you have the biggest impact with the people that God has put around you. That's what Grow Influence is all about. And, and so those will be here every Sunday night. One starts now, another one starts in April. And then they'll always just be happening. The, the one in the middle, Grow Spirit Life. Uh, the truth is we're maxed on capacity. That one is in my house. My wife and I do it. It's a passion of ours. And uh, we, we just always run out of space. So here's my promise to you. We're, we're recording right now, and we're going to have multiple meetings in multiple places for many, many groups this fall. So uh, if you can't get into Grow Spirit Life right now, if you try to sign up for a life group today online and you find out that it's full or whatever the case is, that's okay. Go get the others that you see up here, because maybe your marriage is your biggest issue right now. Maybe your finances are the biggest issue in your marriage right now, whatever it is. And then if you have ever been hiking... The little trail map always says something like, well, if you have time, veer off the path. There's a beautiful side trail to an amazing waterfall. Or, or veer off the path to this amazing peak where you're going to see views you can't see from any other part of the trail. 
That's what all the side trails are. Maybe the most important thing for you is to go and, and work on your marriage or to go and find out what the Bible says about different things and grow doctrine or to figure out what to do with these little things that God gives you called children. And you know, it's like, where's the instruction manual? Oh, well, the Bible actually is a pretty darn good one, but let's learn how that works with grow family and parenting. And, and there's just so much there for us. We want to become everything that God has for us as free and whole as we can. Does that make sense? All right, so... With that being said, here's the, the real issue. Who's going to build people? I mean, and a lot of this makes you go, okay, honey, what, what, what do you and I need? Because, you know, it, it's all about you and me. But I want to show you a passage. That, that this is just really, really important. It's out of 2 Timothy. And, and uh, let me just let's show you this here. It's, it's Paul writing a letter to Timothy. He says this, look, you have heard from me. You've heard me teach things, and they've been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. And he's talking about everything about the gospel, everything he knows about Jesus, everything he knows about life, everything he knows about godliness, everything that he's ever taught. He's saying, look, this has been confirmed by other elders and other people. And, and, and you remember the Sunday maybe that pre, uh, Peter came and he was a guest preacher? I don't know if that ever happened in this case, but that's all right. You just play along. And so he's talking to Timothy and he says this, now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. You see, here is the real question for you and me today. How are we going to do what God is putting before us? I just told you that we had a thousand people here last Sunday. And the good news and bad news of that equation when I called my pastor and mentor, he pastors a church of 8,000 and he said, the second thousand comes faster than the first. Get ready, work hard. God's gonna keep changing lives if we're willing to be a part of the picture. You guys hear what I'm saying? But let me explain why this verse is so special. This was Paul. He wrote the majority of our New Testament. Paul was the apostle who was struck blind by Jesus, spent three days, he used to kill Christians, spent three days blind, not eating, and finding out that God was gonna use him, a former Christian killer, to advance the gospel. And so Paul had taken some guys and he had taught them everything he knew and he had leave them in cities to pastor churches. And one of the most famous young pastors that he mentored was a guy named Timothy. And he left Timothy in a really cool city named Ephesus. And so we get the book of Ephesians from that city. And if you've ever read the book of Ephesians, it's one of my favorite, it's one of the coolest. It talks a lot about spiritual warfare. It says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, when you got all these images of our, our sword of the spirit and our helmet of salvation, and you got this whole thing, right? Everybody, anybody ever? Now think about this. Would you wanna be the pastor who needed that reminder because it means that you were leading the church in the city that had the most spiritual warfare if you got the letter about the most spiritual warfare, right? So Timothy had a tough thing going. And in his other letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy, he had to talk about all of the, the liars and the false teachers. It means Timothy would stand up and give a sermon and somebody else would show up and go, don't listen to any of that. Just say, so oh no, I would have somebody like run over them in the parking lot. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, but follow this, because this is very, very important. This letter is 2 Timothy. It's the last thing Paul wrote to Timothy ever. It's the second time he's in prison, and this time he knows he's not getting out. 
He knows this is the last thing that Timothy will ever hear from him. He knows it's probably one of the last things that he will ever leave on planet earth. His death is imminent. And he's figured something out. Timothy, I'm about to die. So I am not gonna be the one to preach to the masses. And since most of the other apostles are already dead and I'm gonna be there soon, the rest will be shortly following. The truth is there's a good chance you could be one of them too. So we don't have time for you to collect a bunch of people and teach one on a thousand or one on 10,000. No, no, no. If we're gonna change the world, there's only one recipe. So let me explain it to, explain it to you like, here's the way it's gonna work. I'm gonna teach you everything I know. And you're gonna go and find some faithful people and you're gonna teach them everything I taught you so that those faithful people can go and teach it to someone else. Did you catch that one verse listed four generations? Take everything I've taught you and you teach it to faithful people who are gonna go and teach it to others. If we're gonna change the world, we have to change how we're gonna change the world. There's a moment in church history, it's one of the things we have to study in, in Bible college, probably boring to you, but I was gonna share something important with you. Everybody thought it was the best moment. It was when the Roman government finally decided Christianity was okay. And they quit seeking Christians out to kill them. They quit hunting them down. Matter of fact, Constantine, one of the emperors said he was a Christian and he allowed Christianity to be a legal religion even promoted it and suddenly Christians went from hiding in living rooms to building big buildings and they could meet in public on Sundays if they wanted and, and do this. And everybody says, yes, for freedom. The, the persecution has ended. It's an amazing, great moment in church history. And that would be true if that's all that happened. Unfortunately, there was a, a, a bad thing that snuck in the door with that. Because at that same moment, when they made Christianity about buildings and the professionals on stage, everything changed. They were no longer huddling up in each other's homes, sharing what they had learned from the guy who had learned, from the guy who had learned, from Timothy, who had learned from Paul, who had learned from Jesus and Peter and James. Nope. They went into some of the most beautiful buildings ever built and started competitions to see how beautiful they could make them. And they invented something that before had never existed, professional Christians. And they stood up front and they told the masses what they needed to do. And the people themselves just became listeners. It's one of the worst things that ever happened to the church on planet earth. The sad part is it's a model we still try to do today. We still think that some Christians are the professional Christians. And again, I'm not making light of the fact we do need to be taught God's word. We do need to learn how to follow Jesus. We do need to take a moment and worship him and say, God, you're great. But this should only be the kickstart of what God has called us to do in the world. This is not the end all, this is the beginning. 
So this brings me to a very important point because I made a promise to you when we moved into this building. Technically, I started doing it right before we moved in because people were getting nervous about the size of the building. And I promised people who came and visited and I promised you as a church that when we moved into this building and the growth came because it will come and it did come, I said, we will not lose our soul as a church. We will be not just a big bunch of people, but we will be a family. We've always been a family and we will continue to be a spiritual family who helps our little brothers and our little sisters grow, that each of us is still growing. The problem is I can't keep that promise alone because I cannot personally sit down with a thousand people every week and say, what is God doing in your life? Well, let me tell you a story. What are you struggling with? Let me pray for you. And you may say, well, then let's, let's expand the staff. Let's hire more pastors. No, because that's not what Paul said. Paul didn't say, Timothy, I want you to go train up a bunch of people and hire them. <laughs> you see, here's the way this is really supposed to be done. Every single one of us at some point in our life, we fell in a hole. It might've been a financial hole. It might've been a marriage devastation hole. It might've been a moral purity hole somewhere along the way. And I want you to imagine every one of us, you're walking down a sidewalk and as you walk, the ground just opens up. It's a sinkhole. Suddenly the sidewalk is gone. And before you know what happens, you are at the bottom of a hole that you cannot get yourself out of. But the good news is it doesn't end there for you because someone comes along you cried out, God help. And someone comes along and says, hey, let me help you out of that hole. They reach down and they pull you up out of that hole. And here's what the typical American Christian does at that point. They go, whew, boy, I tell you what, that was rough. I thought that was going to be the end of me. God bless you. And they go on their way. Aren't we supposed to stand there and say, hey, there's a hole. I see you coming. It, it, it almost wrecked my life. Let me help you. Let me tell you how not to fall into the stuff that I fell into. You see, this thing over here, it almost took my wife from me. Let, let me tell you how we're happily married. No, 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 you stop. Don't you fall into that. Yeah, wait, wait a minute. This, this right here, it almost cost me my kids. Let me tell you. Let me tell you why we're a happy family. No you, don't need, no, you don't need to go there. Oh, wait a minute. Hey, let me help you out. See, I was in that hole, so I got a trick. Right there's a foothold. You put your foot there, and uh, then you grab my arm. All right, the left foot there. There you go. Look how you get out of that hole. See, I knew that because I used to be in that hole. That's how I can help you out of that hole. Y'all get that? Next thousand's coming faster. It's not about seeing how many people we can put on staff. It's about being people who realize every one of us has been rescued from a hole. When? If, you're, if you just fell into that hole, if you're in the hole right now, if you're just sort of getting out, that's what the grow path is for. But as you find yourself getting lifted out of that hole and you're standing there, then let's begin to look at the men and the women and the families and the children all around us and saying, hey, I can help you. I can help you. 
I can help you. No, no, no. It's not because I have a, a Bible degree. Matter of fact, I, I'm, I'm a sergeant in the army, buddy. I don't know. I mean, I'm reading the Bible with you, but I tell you what, I used to be in that hole and I know how to stay out of it. That's what God has called us to do. I can't keep the promise that as we grow, we won't lose our soul alone. It's gonna take all of us because we're a family and we're gonna to have to promise as a family to each other, we're not gonna lose our soul. We're not gonna lose our soul. We're gonna keep knowing each other's names. I'm not gonna know everybody's names. I don't need to know everybody's names, but I need to know somebody's name. So I know who I'm praying for. So I know who I'm helping out of a hole or I need somebody to help me out of a hole. See, we're all in one of the two places. I'm gonna close with this really simple challenge right out of scripture, it's Hebrews 10. Some of you have heard this before. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That's what I'm gonna challenge you to do. I'm gonna ask you, will you do what that verse says? Will you consider how to stir up someone near you? Not giving up the habit of meeting together. And don't, don't go saying, oh, I, I don't, I, I'm here every Sunday, pastor. You know, this verse was written before those buildings, before they started doing Sunday mornings. This was written to people who met house to house. And they just sat in living rooms and they didn't have professional teachers. What they had were letters that is now our Bible. So they had scripture and they had what somebody had learned from somebody, from somebody who cared enough to teach because they rejected the lie of the enemy. And some of you right now, many of you right now, I need you to hear me. Do not believe the lie that you have nothing to offer. Some of you believe that lie. The devil says, who, you? And you go, you're right. Stop it. You are a child of God and you have something to offer. If nothing else, just tell him not to do anything wrong that you did. If you've got a long list of that, you've got something to help somebody with. Do not let the devil tell you that you are useless and you have nothing to offer. Reject that lie and believe what God says about you. And then we can change the world and we can reach the next thousand, but I cannot reach the next thousand. So will we be people who build people? Because that's what Jesus is doing. He's building people through you and me. Amen. I wanna close by talking to those of you who might need to make Jesus your king today. As we said, as you come to him, the living stone, well, some of us, we're just coming to him right now. Maybe you've gone to church many times. Maybe you said Jesus is a good guy. Maybe you, you think of it this way, Jesus died for all of humanity, so if I'm a human, I'm saved, right? No. Because the Bible explains that his death is a free gift of salvation, but every one of us at some point has to reach out and take that free gift. Yes, he put a free gift on every person's table, but at some point we each have to reach out and grab that and say, thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. I wanna live for you. If you've never done that, 
If you've just maybe hung out going to church, you've just thought about Jesus as a nice guy, maybe you've never gone to church, maybe you didn't like Jesus before today. I don't know where you are, but you know where you are. If you've never made Jesus your King, your Lord and Savior, whatever word you wanna use, I wanna help you do that right now. I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna ask you to come down front, but right where you're seated. Would everybody just join me and pray? Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now I wanna live for you. I thank you for your love, your mercy, your forgiveness. And my simple prayer today is that you would give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.